It is so important that we understand our status, our destiny, who we are, what we have, and what we can do. And it's all based on faith in God's word. Because you know what? You have to believe God's word to believe all that stuff. You have to have a faith in God's word. That's why, you know, in Christianity, our, our faith requires faith, not just some meritorious acts. You know, other religions all based on works. They're all based on merit. You do so many good things. You qualify. Uh, you, get, you get to be, you know, go to heaven and have a, a, a hundred virgins if you kill so many infidels. Or, you know, you, you get to reach nirvana if you get to a certain place of contemplation and, and deep, you know, understanding. Or, you know, just different things where some people's idea of heaven is very different. But I've studied all the world religions. And the basic difference is this. In Christianity, it's not by your works. It's whether you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by faith and, and it enters you into a place called grace. All other religions is works. They all have goofy things. Some of them you go to heaven. Some you don't go to heaven. You just become a good person. And then some of them you just die and you don't exist anymore. And, but see, God has an eternal plan that never ends. And God has told us all about it. And today I want to talk to you about how faith works. Because faith is the access to all of God's graces. You know, I knew a guy who he changed, you know, he had a bunch of he had a whole bunch of different uh, storage facilities, and you know, one time he had a lot of different keys, and he said, what do I have all these keys for? So he changed it, and he got one key that would, open all, would access all of his storage facilities. And he kept certain things in different storage facilities. And you know, I I'll tell you what, we've got one key, and it's the access card to all the storehouses of God. Somebody say amen. And you know, when we have that one key, that one key is faith. And, you know, it's what opens the door. It says that in Romans 5. It says, now faith causes us to access grace. You know, some people say, well, you know, grace, you can't do anything to receive. Well, you have to be in faith to receive grace. And how many of you know faith without corresponding action is dead? So faith has corresponding action. Faith is revealed in words and deeds. All faith is revealed in words and deeds. James says this. James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. See, true faith always has works, and that's what we enter into grace, because when we're in true faith, we're going to have works. But it isn't the works that saves us or gives us uh, the grace. It's the faith that gives us grace, but faith always has works. And then grace is everything that we have need of. I don't care whether it's finances, I don't care if it's understanding and schoolwork, I don't care if it's favor with a boss, I don't care if it's abilities on the athletic field, I don't care if it's your looks, I don't care what it is. Grace is the thing that causes you to be able to have everything that you desire, everything that you need, and everything that God has for you. Somebody say amen. amen. So faith is our access card. Faith is so important. We need to know how to operate by faith. If you're a Christian and you don't know how to operate by faith, you're like out in the middle of the ocean uh, in a little rowboat without any oars. You have, no play, you have no way to make your way without faith as a Christian. You know, in, in Hebrews 10.38, it says, The just shall live by faith, and he has no pleasure in anybody who pulls back from that posture of walking in faith. Are you still walking in the same faith that you did on the day that you got saved and the weeks following 
uh, you're being born again, are you still walking in that pristine, uh, just childlike faith towards God? If you're not, the Bible says that you've pulled back, and we don't want to pull back. Somebody say amen. We don't want to pull back because it says he has no pleasures in those who pull back from their faith. In Hebrews 11:6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who casually seek him. <laughs> I love doing that <laughs> to see if you're listening. No, it says those who diligently seek him, not casually seek him. So God, you know, says this, that without faith it's impossible to please him. And, you know, that we must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Do you believe God's a rewarder today? He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not occasionally, not casually, but diligently seek him. How often are you seeking him today? So we need to uh, remember that faith is how we're to live, and it's a diligent lifestyle. It's not a, it's not a like I said earlier, it's not a convenient life. It, it's inconvenient. It's not casual. It's diligent. You know, I, I see people, I go to the gym, and I see people who are diligent. I see the same people in there, uh, you know, every day I go, and I, I work out at least four times a week. I'm in there about you know, 40 minutes, maybe an hour at the most, and, but I'm diligent. I, I almost never miss, and, 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 I, and I hate to say I see people who, who come in once in a while, and I'll tell you what, there's a huge difference between the ones that come in every day and the ones who come in once in a while. They probably don't know it, but everybody else does. <laughs> it's sad to say, but it's the truth, because diligence makes the difference. If, if, if you're going to be, I almost want to say, why do you even come in? Why do you bother? There's no tangible change taking place in your body. You say, that's mean, Pastor Bill. It's, you know, sometimes truth is mean. It all depends on how you wear it. It's just decide, truth is me, and it, it all depends on which side of the truth you're on. Somebody say amen. And I want to say, why do you even come in? Because you know what? God said, I'd rather have you hot or cold than lukewarm. Because you know what? You're better off not coming at all and really getting out of shape and really getting disgusted with yourself than coming in and being red hot about your workout than, well, you know, I do go in. I don't, I'm not getting any results out of this, but I do go in. Well, don't, go, don't even come in unless you want to come in and give yourself. I always say this. Don't give yourself, give yourself fully or just don't do it at all. It really gets quiet when you talk like this. I don't know why. What am I, what am I supposed to say? I can tell you sweet little lies, but you know what? It's the truth. Diligence. Uh, faith is not a casual lifestyle. God says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. And they that come must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is a diligent lifestyle. Standing in faith, it says, be imitators of those who by faith and patience inherit the promises. Always keep the switch of faith turned on. Because you know what happens if you're not diligent? That means you're in and out. You know, it talks about that in James. It says, and let him ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavers... It's like the waves of the sea. And let not that man think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable 
in all of his ways. See, a waverer and a diligent person are worlds apart. A lukewarm person and a red-hot person are worlds apart. The lukewarm thinks he's just almost, he's almost the same as the red-hot person, but he's worlds apart. The waver, because they believe once in a while, back and forth, they think they're almost like the diligent person, but they're worlds apart. They're not even in the same universe. They're not even in the same category. So always be diligent with your faith. Somebody say amen. Don't let up on the devil. Don't let up. Be diligent. Because the devil hates people that are faith people. The devil despises people who talk like this. The devil despises people that are in faith. The devil has, because see, he was a waverer, and he uh, was a a rebel from the beginning, and and he's destined towards hell. So he can't stand people that are strong in what they believe. You know, the devil hates people like that. Be one of those people. Be be the type of person that the devil hates and God loves. Amen. Make it clear whose side you're on. Make it unequivocal. Everybody knows that you're a Christian. Don't hide in the shadows. Don't be a part-time Christian. Don't be this little double-minded, unstable thing, this back and forth. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The righteous are as bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no man pursues. A lot of people hate bold preaching. But God loves bold preaching, and the devil hates bold preaching. So let's always be bold. Paul said, that I might pray for me that I might speak the gospel with boldness as I ought to speak. That's Ephesians 6. So faith, make your faith strong. Make your faith a strong thing. Make your faith the strongest thing in your life. Let everything else revolve around the strength of your faith. Don't, don't put more stock in what you see. Don't put more stock in what you feel. Don't put more stock in what's convenient for you and your schedule, your life, your finances, your uh, whatever. Put, put everything in the basket of what is the faith? What is faith walk? What is uh, the realm of faith? What, let my faith guide me, not all these other things, not my feelings or, or my situation or, or my community. Let faith be the driving factor in your life because with that, you can be diligently in faith before God. And you know what? Faith is what pleases God. Somebody say amen. How many want to please God this morning? I just felt like camping out on that just for a few moments. I hope you don't mind. Faith has three things, three components to it that are super important. And that is, faith is a threefold principle. Faith is like a seed. You plant it, you water it, you harvest it. There's got to be a seed, there's got to be water, and then there's got to be a a power where where it germinates and and produces something. Now, just say that with me. Faith has three components. Watering, seed, and germination or power, an unexplained power. There is three things always to faith. If, if, you, if you don't remember anything else I'm saying today, remember the three things. There's three things to faith. Spirit, word, and power being made manifest. You know today, you could go to Iowa State tomorrow morning. You could show up in one of the agronomy classes tomorrow. And you could go to the professor with multiple PhDs behind his name. And you could ask him, what is it that makes a seed do what it does? And did you know they would not be able to answer you even today? With all their scientific knowledge, with all their understanding, because the seed's 
ability to do what it does. How many of you know a seed is a creative force? There is no explanation why seeds create things. They create things. Offspring, seed. There is no explanation for it. The scientist can't get his head wrapped around it. He can scratch his head, but there is no scientific explanation. Oh, they label it and they describe it, but they can't tell you where it comes from unless they're willing to humble themselves and say, oh, yeah, it comes from God. You see, there are three things, and it is so important that we understand it. There is water, there is seed, and there is power or germination or a creative force or some type of manifested power the power of a seed. Let's go to Genesis and let's look at something. And you'll get that. How many of you know every doctrine has its foundation in the book of Genesis? So we go to the book of Genesis and we'll find that these three things are in the book of Genesis. And we look there in Genesis, the first chapter, and we're going to read verses one uh, and two and three. And we're going to find these same three things apparent there. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's a summation of the whole chapter. But then he goes in and he articulates the particulars. And the earth was without form and void, like many people's life. (laughs) And darkness was upon the face of the deep, like many people's life. Some people have no direction. Their life's without form and it's void. It's void of any fruit. It's void of any happiness. It's void of any productivity. And it's without form. It doesn't have a form. It doesn't have a direction. It doesn't have an understanding. Many lives are without form and void. And it's because they're living in darkness. And the answer is light. Now look at this. And it says, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness is upon the face of the earth. And the spirit... Of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, spirit and waters have something in common. How many of you know the Bible says he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh? How many of you know the Holy Spirit is a type of refreshing and it's a type of water? Or the water is a type of refreshing and Holy Spirit. Maybe I should say it like that. So water and Holy Spirit go together. How many of you know you can't even come to salvation except the Lord reveal it to you? No man can come to the Father except he be drawn. And the Holy Spirit does the drawing, but the Holy Spirit has to have the word in order to draw you. So first, we've got got water, we've got seed, and we've got uh, creative power. So there's the water. The Holy Spirit is hovering above, I find it interesting, the water. And let's go on to the next point. And it says, was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So a move of the Holy Spirit is the first thing. And God said, everybody say, God said. That means God's word, because God says his word. He doesn't say your word. He doesn't say somebody else. God says his word. That's the only thing God says is his word. He's not got like something else living inside of him, speaking through him. God says his word. And so God speaks. So there's the word. There's the word. There's the seed. How many of you know the word of God is called a seed? All throughout the scriptures, the word of God is called a seed. Because it's supernatural and it produces things. Okay. So now we've got the water and we've got the seed. And now let's look what happens. Then a solution comes to the darkness, which causes things to be without form and void. 
You know, Roundup is a type of, uh, of uh, herbicide. I used to work for Monsanto. And when I worked for Monsanto, I can remember working with a PhD. He went to school in Maryland. And I can remember we'd sit around and we'd talk about herbicides and, and different things. And he, he would say, well, th this one uh, is, is a photosynthetic inhibitor. How many of you know what photosynthesis is? He said, now, this type of herbicide works uh, and it kills the root based on these certain principles. But he says, Roundup is unique. It's a photosynthetic inhibitor. It inhibits the, photosynthetic, or the photosynthesis process, and that's what kills the weeds. And he says, that's what makes it different than other types of herbicides. And so I, I found that very interesting. And, and when, there, when the sunlight, when light stops, death begins. In a weed where light stops, death begins because it inhibits the photosynthetic process. And so as we look at that, we see that it was without form and void because there was darkness. Now, it says there was water. But now look, you can have water, but you need to add seed and you need to add light. So look what he says next. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So, he said, so God's word, there's the seed, comes in. And the seed comes and God's light comes. It takes away the darkness. And he said, and he saw the light and it was good. And then everything else can be created. How many of you know, before you go into a room and do your work, before you can do all the, other, all the work that you need to do in the room, you better turn the light on first. See, one thing about faith God's word brings light. The entrance of thy word, it giveth light to the understand. It gives, giveth light to the simple, it says. And it gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of thy word, it giveth understanding to the simple. And light, it says. That's in Psalms. I can't remember the exact verse. But God's word always is an illuminary. It always brings understanding. Illumination is, uh, is always a, an expression of understanding in the scriptures. So everybody say it with me. Faith is the Spirit, the Word, and power made manifest. Say this. Everything is based on water, a seed, and the power that comes from it. Okay. Think about that. So when it comes to faith, you need these three ingredients. They're essential. You've got to have the Spirit of God. You've got to have the Word of God. And then you've got to have the power of faith. Faith is believing the Word of God because you've been empowered by the Spirit of God to have revelation to understand it and say, yes, I believe that. I will act upon it. I will speak based on that. And that is life-changing, and it produces supernatural things in people's lives. Is this simple enough? Am I making it simple enough? Are you all understanding what I'm saying today? You've got to have those ingredients. You can't have just the Word without the Spirit. I know people that are full of the Word, and they don't, they don't buy into the things of the Holy Spirit. They don't like the things of the Holy Spirit. They're not going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you always do resist the Holy Spirit, it says in one place. They're those type of people that always resist the Holy Spirit. The Pharisees, they knew the word upside down, backwards, forwards, inside out, but they did not like the, Jesus said, you always do resist the word. 
They didn't, you all do resist the spirit, excuse me, I meant to say spirit. They knew the word, but they were not open to the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that? When Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. And then he got up and he preached a sermon and they tried to kill him after that. That's the spirit of antichrist. You have to have the Holy Spirit. The word is great, but you know, I know people who are atheists. They're professors and they're atheists. They can quote more scripture than anybody in this room probably. They know the Bible forward and backwards. They can tell you the history. They can tell you uh, the eschatology. They, they, can, they can tell you all, all the, you know, pneuma, pneumatology, you know, all the different studies of theology, and they don't believe any of it. There's a guy at Iowa State, Hector. He's a Hispanic man. He's got his PhD from Harvard. He's an atheist. His goal in life is to detach all the young freshmen from their faith through teaching, New Test through teaching Old Testament classes. How many think that's a pretty sick goal for life? Pseudo-intellectual, real pseudo-intellectual. And so we can see that you can have the word. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, because let me tell you something, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. He's called the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He will reveal to you the deep wisdom of God. You can have all the word. You can memorize the word. You can know the word. You can get three seminary degrees, and I ain't no guys who've done it. I've got three degrees in theology. I know all about school. I, I understand all that. But without the Holy Spirit, you don't know anything. Without the Holy Spirit, you really don't know anything until you have the word made alive and illuminated and revealed to you by the Spirit of God. Somebody say amen. It's the Holy Spirit that is our teacher, the Bible says. And so we've got to have the Spirit. We can't just have the Word. We've got to have this Word. We've got to have the water that waters that Word and makes it alive. The Spirit moved upon it. So you've got to have the Spirit. Let's look where it says that in the Bible. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4 and 13. 2 Corinthians 4 and 13. We're going to look what it says about uh, that Spirit of faith. How many of you know there's a Spirit of faith? How many of you know faith is more caught than it is taught? Faith is a supernatural phenomena of your heart. It's not a perfunctory function of your head. It's a supernatural phenomenon of your heart. It's not a perfunctory function of your head or your intellect. Your intellect is just a tool. It has no great, great power to comprehend without the Spirit of God. So let's look at this in 2 Corinthians. And we're going to look there in verse 4. And we're going to see in, in verse 13. Chapter 4, did I, I, don't, I meant to say chapter 4. We having the same spirit of faith. Everybody say spirit of faith. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. Well, see, that, that tells me something. That faith, if you believe, you have a corresponding action. And the corresponding action can either be words or deeds or both. Corresponding action to belief, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, it says in Matthew 12. What you believe in your heart, you will, you will eventually say and you will eventually do. What you believe, you can keep it hidden for a while. And this is to the good or to the bad. 
Because fear is a perverted, backwards type of faith. And a lot of people who are fear in their lives reveal it. It's a faith in the devil and bad things going to happen. That's what fear is. Real faith. Now, you, you, you know, see, some people have faith in money and they have faith in this world. And they may go to church and they may act like they're pious and they may act like they have faith in God. But I'm going to tell you something. They really have faith in the world, and they really have faith in their job, faith in their money, and faith in their abilities, and faith in who they are, what they have, and what they can do. They'll come to church, but time will tell me, time will reveal by what comes out of their mouths, what they put as priorities in their lives, what they spend their money on, what they spend their life on, will reveal what they really believe. But then there are those, I can tell, they really believe the word of God. And it's revealed exactly the same way. What comes out of their mouth, what their life's priorities are, how they spend their money, how they spend their life, how they spend their energy, how they spend their time, tells me what they really believe. You, you may think you could pull off hiding that, but given time, it will be revealed what you really believe by your words and your deeds. Somebody say amen. It will be revealed what you really believe by your words and by your deeds. And some people have their church confession, and then they have their home confession. Anybody ever fallen into that one? We all have, probably. You have your confession that you use when you're around Christians, and then you have your confession that you use when you, you know, hit your thumb with a hammer over there in the shop. And a different confession comes out of your mouth. And we've all had it happen. But hopefully you're decreasing that confession in your life. Somebody say amen. And the other one's growing. <laughs> See, we're not all perfect. None of us have arrived, right? We're all moving in that direction. All right. So how many of you know our faith comes, it grows, and it speaks? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It says, Romans 10, 17. Faith grows exceedingly, it says in 1 Thessalonians 1. I think it's verse 3 or 4 or 5, somewhere in there. And then faith speaks. With a mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the heart man believes unto righteousness. With a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Salvation has at least seven different meanings. Salvation is anything you need from God. Salvation is when you're in the, in the pit with the lions and you're Daniel and God delivers you. Can I get an amen? amen. Salvation is when you're Paul on a, you know, on a boat and there's a storm coming up and God saves you. Amen. amen. Salvation is when you're, you're the, the wicked man and you're crying out to God, save me, and you get born again. And that's salvation too. Can I get an amen? amen. Salvation is a lot of things. But it's faith that brings it. And faith is this, again, let me say it again, Romans 10, 10, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, everybody say, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Jesus said, verily I say unto you, whoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast on the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith, whatsoever he saith. Now, don't be bothered if I start speaking as fast as Ben Shapiro, and if you listen to his podcast, but... I just say that because I, I, I like to get through that because I think everybody knows those scriptures anyway. I don't think you have to follow me. So when we understand these things, we, we need to understand that God 
has given us this power to use for good. Let's go on to not just the spirit of faith, but now let's look at what it says about the word of faith. Turn with me to Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10. Our movement is called the Word of Faith Movement. Rama Bible Training Center, who, whose founder was Kenneth E. Hagan, who is synonymous with what we call today the Word of Faith Movement as a major Christian movement of teaching the Word of God and getting back to the Word of God in America, is called the Word of Faith Movement. And it is a very profound return to the Bible. Uh, from a very lukewarm. Well, that happened 30 years ago, and now we're entering back into a lukewarm respect for the Word of God. Back 30 years ago, we needed to get back to the Word of God. We got back to the Word of God largely in our nation, and now we've slipped back away from the Word of God, and we need to get back to it again. Amen. So Romans 10 says this in verse 8. It says... But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. That thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we know that the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. There's two places. Matthew 12, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. That's why I said you can't, you can't hide what you really believe over time. Oh, you can do it for a while. You can do it with a, maybe some simpletons watching. But, but anybody who understands people, anybody who understands real faith, can identify you real quickly that you will speak and you will act in line with what you believe. You just will. That's just the way it is. You know, it says out of a, out of a bad stream... You can't get sweet waters out of a corrupt stream. A a corrupt fruit, you can't get apples out of pear trees. And you can't get goodness coming out of an unfaithful heart. You can't get a faithfulness coming out of an unfaithful heart. You just can't do it. The Bible says that. makes it really clear. But see, there is a word of faith that's near thee. What is it? What saith it? The word is nigh unto thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. Because what is in your heart will come out your mouth. That's why you have to have a heart change, and you got to keep putting God's word in your heart. you got to keep putting the spirit of God in your heart. you got to keep getting refilled with the Holy Spirit continually in your heart. Somebody say amen. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 19, written to Christians... Be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, be ye continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in hymns and songs and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So when we understand that we've got to continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's called the spirit of faith. And you continually, because therefore we believe, therefore we speak, it says, we having the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. 2 Corinthians 13, 4, excuse me, verse 13. So we find an identical thing here, not only in the spirit of faith, but the word of faith. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. Because what's in your heart will come out your mouth. So you need to get your heart changed. Somebody say amen. How do you get your heart changed? You get the word in it and you got the spirit in it. You get yourself filled with the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, O Lord. Psalms 119 verse 11, David. 
See, the more word you put in your heart, the more you'll not sin. Because the word changes your heart. One person says, yeah, we read through the Bible every year. And we read so much Bible in the morning. You know, it takes me an hour to read. I got to read so many chapters. Because I've read through the Bible every year for the past 10 years. And one person says, well, why on earth would you do that? You'll never retain it all. You have all heard this before. It's like a bucket. You can't retain it all. It's, it's just wasted water when you overfill the bucket. And it's more than you can process, more than you can mentally take. He says, yeah, I'm, I might not be able to contain my bucket. But it's like a sieve in the bottom. That water's going through me. I'll have the cleanest bucket in town. How many of you know David said the word would cleanse you? Jesus said the word was the water that cleansed you. And Paul said in Ephesians 5, the word was the water that cleansed you. And cleansed your wife as, as a husband and wife situation. And so the word changes us. The spirit changes us from the inside. Because if you're going to operate in faith, you've got to stay full of the word. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you've got to stay filled with the spirit, speaking to yourselves in hymns and songs and being, being filled, the Bible says. So by now, I think you're understanding that we have to have the spirit and we're going to have to have the word before we can get in faith and release the power. Now, as I look at that, I think, wow, the spirit of faith, the word of faith, and now salvation. Here's the, the, here's the word of faith, and here's the spirit of faith. The word is nigh thee, even in thy heart and in thy mouth. What is that? What part of that? That's the seed. That's the word, right? The word is nigh thee, even in thy heart and thy mouth. That's the, that's, the, that's the word being spoken. And so when we begin to do that, then the spirit comes alongside and causes us to be able to believe. Well... You know, in 1 Corinthians 6, 17 and 19, it says that the Spirit is in you and that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. What was upon the face of the waters that created the heavens and the earth? What was upon the face of the waters? What showed up and hovered across the, the face of the waters? The same Spirit that was there at creation, the same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, that when God spoke the word, created the universe. Did you know in 1 Corinthians 6 and 17 and 19? Let's just turn there. Matter of fact, you know, it might be good for you just to underline this verse. This is a powerful, powerful verse. I love this verse, as a matter of fact. Did I say... I mean 1 Corinthians. I think I said 1. I mean 1 Corinthians 6. I turned to the wrong one. Forgive me. It says, But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Did you know your spirit and the Holy Spirit become one? You become Siamese twins with the Holy Ghost. Not physically in your body. Your spirit, man. You're Siamese twins with the very force that created the universe. Now, hopefully you're going to start understanding what, what I'm getting at when you add the Word of God to that and how faith works. See, when you understand that the Spirit of God, the creator of the universe, the creator of your body, the creator of your spirit, the creator of everything in the universe lives inside your spirit and has become one with it. That's why when I hear that verse of Scripture, now unto him who is, ex who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that dwells within us. Think about that. 
power dwells within us. They can do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask or think even. It says that we're joined with the Lord. We're, we're one spirit. Then verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? power that created the universe lives inside of you. I don't know about you, but that, I, can't, I can't hardly get over that. And then, so now when you get born again, when you get the Holy Spirit coming into your life, and then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Now here you are, you're sitting here listening to Pastor Bill. It's Sunday morning. You're hearing Pastor Bill up here, and Pastor Bill preaches, and he Quotes a lot of Bible verses. He reads a lot out of the Bible. This is why I don't give you three points in a poem and we all go home out of Reader's Digest. Because then I'm going to be shooting you blanks. No, I'm going to give you the Word of God coming in, the Word of God coming out, the Word of God on the inside, the Word of God on the outside, the Word of God forward, and the Word of God backwards. That's what you're going to get here. Because when you get the Word of God, something happens. Faith comes by hearing and hearing uh, the local gossip. Oh, Sister Sally's uh, testimony. Oh, a juicy story. Oh, what they're talking about down at the barber. No. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't come by Joe Blow that can get up and sound really inspiring. It doesn't come from the life coach with his pep talk. It comes from a man of God speaking the word of God. That's where faith comes from. Understand that. And you join, so you're, you're born again. You got the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said, I am with you and I shall be in you. And then it says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So you have the word of God with you, the omnipresence of God. You get born again. You have the spirit of God in you, which is the new birth of God. And then you have the Holy Spirit upon you, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God. And then you can even have living waters flowing out of your bellies, which is dispensing the power of the Holy Spirit to other people. And then you add the word to that, and you've got Genesis 1-2. I said, and when you add the word, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That Holy Spirit that lives in your spirit, that's one with your spirit, that you're believing with, and the Holy Spirit already knows it's true, and you're coming into a revelation that it's true, and that you should act upon it. And now faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The word of God comes in, and just like the Spirit's already there hovering over the water waiting for something to happen. The Word of God comes in, and the entrance of thy word, it giveth light, and it giveth understanding to the simple, Psalms 119, 165. And God said in the beginning, there was the Spirit hovering, and God said, that's God's Word, gets joined to the Spirit hovering, and light comes on. In your heart, the Spirit of God is hovering, the Spirit of God's, God's Word speaks to you through preaching, through reading your Bible, whatever, through my, my preaching this morning. The Word of God comes by hearing, and the Word of God comes, and it joins with that Spirit hovering your spirit. You've got Genesis 1, 1 through 3, creation power coming into you right now. Because you just joined the Spirit and the Word living on the inside of your spirit. You just got the Spirit that's living on the inside of your spirit, and you took the Word of God, and you put it in your spirit, and those two forces got together just like they did in the book of Genesis, and now you've got a creative force. You have the water, and you've got the seed, and now you've got the germination happening in your spirit. That's what faith is. Somebody say amen. And when you understand that, you're having a Genesis 1-1 experience. I mean a 1-2 experience. Things get created. Destinies get created. 
Financial increases get created. Divine healings get created. Answers to prayers get created. When you've got the Spirit living inside of you, and you said under preaching, and the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and you've got an explosive force when the Word of God comes into contact with the Spirit of God, you've got the creative power of God. A lot of people don't understand that today. We speak it and it comes into existence. Jesus said, and you'll have whatsoever you say. See, Jesus had the same thing. How many of you know? Jesus called faith the God kind of faith. Mark eleven twenty two. 22, it says, that you can turn there if you want, you can just listen. It says, have the faith in God. One translation says, have the faith of God. Another translation says the same faith in God's word that God has in his word. I like that one the best. But it's the God kind of faith. Another translation says have the God kind of faith. That doesn't mean that you, you believe your words. That means you believe God's words. And you make your words God's words so then you can believe your own words. Because you make your words God, God's words, not your own. There's some knuckleheads out there that would imply that you can say anything you want. No, you, you, you got to make your words God's words. Then they're believable and they're worth believing. Amen. Because it's God's veracity is there. So when we understand that, uh, we can see that God's going to do some amazing things. And he says, have the God kind of faith, the faith that God has in his word. Why did Jesus call it the God kind of faith? Have the same faith in his word that he has. Turn with me to Hebrews 11.1. Because God had faith in his words. God had faith in his words. We're talking about faith today, how it works. We're talking about how faith works. Now, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, I'm going to read. You can follow along. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Some people say the title deed of things that you can't see. You can buy a car in Florida on Auto Trader and never see the car. You can see a picture of it, but you haven't seen the car. You can buy a car... And you can send the money, and they can send you the title, and you can own something that you've never seen, right? Can we own something we've never seen? That's what faith is. It's owning something you have not yet seen. Because you've used, and the exchange in heaven isn't money, it's faith. Faith is what buys your car in the heavenlies. Somebody say amen. So when you understand that, then you can understand how faith works. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand. Our, our faith is what makes us understand this thing that he's going to say next. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Well, the inverse of that, the inference is so they're made of things that don't appear. That's the inference. That's the obvious inference there, is that things are, are made of things that don't appear. The spiritual realm is more transcendent and supersedent than the physical realm. So when you understand that, everything comes from the invisible realm that is physical. Everything that you can see came from a God who's invisible. Everything that is of a natural realm comes from a supernatural. That means to supersede nature. That's where we get the word supernatural, superseding nature, which equals spiritual. So everything that is physical came from that which is spiritual. The spiritual supersedes and transcends that which is physical. 
In other words, the things that you do not see make the things that are seen. Your faith is what will cause things to come into existence in the seen realm. We look not to the seen, but to the unseen. Some, you know, the scripture tells us that more than once. Is everybody following me today? In other words, God created the world with his words. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The worlds were framed by the word of God. They were created by the word of God. Okay. Your world will be made by your words. Your world will be a result of your words. Your world will be a result of your words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. They that eat it, they that love it, shall eat the fruit thereof. That's Proverbs. Proverbs says life and death is in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The corresponding fruit, either negative words or positive words. You'll eat the fruit of the negative words or you'll eat the fruit of the positive words. Can I get an amen? Because there will be fruit and you will have to eat it. You will say it, but one day you'll have to eat it. So you better start saying pleasant things. Can I get an amen? So we need to understand that our words are how, is how faith works. See, Jesus, it says in Luke 4.1 that Jesus was filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The Greek means into and through. But Jesus was filled by the Spirit. He just got baptized in the Holy Spirit at the River Jordan under John's oversight. He gets baptized, but it says Jesus was filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit. So Jesus is our model. Jesus shows us how faith works. So everybody say this. Jesus had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. We all know that verse. You've heard me preach on it a thousand times, how Jesus was filled with the Spirit before he could be led by the Spirit. So Jesus was filled by the Spirit, then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now turn with me to John 5.19. So Jesus depended upon the filling of the Spirit for faith. Jesus had to be filled with the Spirit. Somebody say amen. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Jesus had to have the Holy Spirit. Jesus was God, but he made himself like a man so we could understand how to do this. Jesus came down and modeled it for us. So Because if we, we couldn't follow Jesus because he's God and we're just people. No, he became a person so we could follow him. Because you, you, couldn't, you couldn't expect us to do God things as human beings. We can only be expected to be doing human being things by the modeling of a human being. So John 5 and 19, look what it says. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. See, this is how we know that he came as a modeling in human form, not as God who can do anything he wants. The Son of God can do nothing of himself. I've become a human being. I have limitations like you do. So watch how I operate so you can know how to operate with limitations like I do. The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So he has to have the Father show him what to do. Another place, I think it says, he only does what the Father tells him to do. In other words, he can only function from the word of God. God's showing him what to do. That's God's, I mean, if God shows him what to do, that's the same as God's word showing him. Like God's word shows us what to do. Even Jesus had to do that. Jesus just didn't come down here as a loose cannon doing whatever he felt like doing. 
He says, I can't do anything, and I do nothing but what my father tells me or shows me. And then he comes down and he doesn't say, I'm God, I'm the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost all in one package. I'm God himself. No, he said that he had to have the Holy Spirit come upon him and fill him for him to be led. Then how many of you know it also says that Jesus did so many miracles in the last part of the, in the last verse in the, chapter, in the last chapter of the book of John. It says you could, all the books in the world wouldn't hold all the supernatural things that Jesus did. So Jesus was filled with the Spirit. There's that Genesis 1 Spirit living in his spirit. Jesus had to go to the Father and get the Word. There's the Word being added to the Spirit, like the book of Genesis. You add, you've got the water, uh, you've got the Word. In other words, you got the water and you got the seed. And then Jesus had an explosive ministry because there was not one miracle, there was not one sermon, there was not one healing before he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And how many of you know he knew the Word really well? Because when he was 12 years old, he was instructing the doctors of the law. He knew the Word. But when the Holy Spirit came, then he had real faith. The spirit of faith met up with the word of faith and had an explosive response of people getting healed and delivered. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. The beginning of miracles is at Cana. That was shortly after Jesus was at the River Jordan and got baptized in the Holy Spirit under John's leadership. Is anybody following me this morning? We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same word, we have the same promise, and we have the same power. The same spirit and word that created the universe in the book of Genesis. The same spirit and the same word that had the creative power for Jesus to walk on water, raise the dead, heal the sick, and do mighty miracles and preach like no one had ever preached. We've got the same spirit and the same word that he does, that he modeled for us, and he tells us, the works that I do, you will do also, and even greater works shall you do, because I go to the Father. Wow. You see, we don't really have an excuse because he's given us everything that we need to be able to operate. He's given us the word and the spirit. And faith is this, staying full of the spirit and sitting under the word. Somebody say amen. amen. And acting on what you hear and what comes alive in your heart. We're told to have that same faith. God wants us to walk in that power. See, it's the power of God that gets released. Faith is a seed that gets watered that produces a powerful expression of fruit. Faith is a seed that gets watered. The water of the Holy Spirit, the seed of God's work, it gets watered in your heart, and you start producing fruit. It starts to germinate. It starts to do powerful things. It created a universe. It created a miracle-filled ministry with Jesus. It's to create a life of faith for us to live diligently in this life. We're talking about how does faith work. It works through the Holy Spirit living in you and you adding the word to it by sitting under preaching and doing that preaching and speaking that preaching and letting it change your life to a life of faith. 